With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
Yes, that's right. We are back here at One Indescribable Podcast, talking about the final two episodes of season one of Up Here. Uh, I am Todd Librarian, and with me, as always, is someone who's definitely looking forward to Syrup Nights, Adam H. Adam, how are you doing? I love a syrup night. I am a huge fan of, like, authentic maple syrup. Very important. You have to, like, go to those little maple syrup farms. Uh, back when I lived in Ohio, actually, uh, they didn't do this in any of the other states that I had there. Back in Ohio, they had a bunch of like syrup festivals almost like you would, you know, go around and like sample various, uh, various syrups from different farmers. I, the, the, the phrasing, the wording here, are you, can you be a maple syrup farmer? Is that a thing? Are you a, just like a, are you a big, like a tree, treeologist? Like what's the, What's the arborist? What's the what is the word for a maple for a one who produces maple syrup? Is there a word um, for that? I I'm sure there is. I don't know a gatherer because you kind of gather it, drain it. I don't I don't know because you're not necessarily like growing the trees. Like farmers are typically the people like who grow their own crops and things like that. But you do like kind of harvest it from the trees. So I'm not 100 percent sure. Okay. But maybe uh maybe there's something that we can ask who might know this because this time Adam talking about up here we are not alone. We have with us someone who always has the odds stacked in her favor, the always excellent TV Lindy. Lindy, welcome to the Up Here coverage. Thank you. I am so excited to be here. Uh, We usually podcast together all the time about our other shows, but I had not been able to talk about Up Here until today. So I've had Adam and Todd's voices in my head for the past couple weeks of like, oh, you should come on the Up Here podcast. And I'm finally here. So I'm ready. Are you going? So, I have an answer, by the way. Just FYI, I have the answer to to what is you know. Do you have any guesses? Because it's not what you would think. It's not farm. I'll just spoil that for you right now. This it's yeah. a very honestly. This is really fun, and it makes me want to like be this <laughs> be this person. The term that you use, and if this is a Jeopardy question one day, and someone wins because they listen to this podcast, I just want half the money you win. Anyway, the the word for someone who uh, farms maple syrup is a sugar maker. How fun is that? A sugar maker. Yeah, I never in a million years would have come up with sugar maker as a name for a syrup producer. I love it. That's so fun. I would be a sugar maker. That's cool. Imagine having like a business card. Adam H. Sugar maker. That's pretty good. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I I think it'd be be fun. You would have to be explaining your job a lot, but it's a good conversation starter. Just make sure you have that whole stack of them so then you can, you know, you tell them that uh, as a sugar maker, the odds are stacked in your favor. You know, good good uh, advice there. Uh, so, Lindy, you have uh, recently watched all of Up Here uh, preparing for this. So what are your overall thoughts on the series so far? What do you think about the characters? Are there any standout songs or moments that you would like to talk about? Well, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's hard having to save all my thoughts for this one podcast but overall okay overall i really enjoyed the show i'm i'm a big fan of it um i will say i was absolutely loving it in the first half i was like this is amazing i love this i will say i didn't feel like the second half was as good i didn't love that as much but overall still really enjoyed it um uh, yeah uh (laughs) Uh, Mae Whitman and Carlos Valdez, I think they were incredible. I love the performances here. So loved that. Um, in terms of characters, I know you've talked a lot about how you 
don't really like Lindsay and not sure if you're supposed to. Yeah, I like I think I probably like her better than you, but I feel like I always tend to like, you know, the main character because it just the show focuses on them so much. Like I don't I don't hate her or anything. I don't agree with all her decisions. Her actions frustrated me at times, but I didn't come away with this saying like, oh, I dislike her, you know? Yeah, and I don't know that like dislike is the word that I would ultimately use to describe her. I don't think that these final two episodes do her a lot of favors, though. Even <laughs> just like adding on to the stuff that we were already feeling from the previous six. Like I don't, you know, I don't know that a lot of ground is made up in the finale here. Um, there was just there was just so many times where I was like, "Girl, what are you doing? Like, what, <laughs> what, what are you doing? Come on!" And we've certainly had that with other shows, right? Like, how many times did we say that covering CXG or you know e- even recently with our Zoe coverage? Like, how many times have we said this? Just like, what do you, what is this? Like, what do you come on? Like, do do something different? Come on! Like, uh, uh, and so I don't know. Like, that's not a unique feeling for us in particular. But there were just too many times where I was like man if only you had done this i would really be in love and instead instead i'm just not yeah so i thought that Lindsay and miguel had just great chemistry and i was really i was really into this relationship but i was continuously frustrated by them not getting on the same page or backing out of it for no good reason in my opinion like again and again and again and i was just like come on i know where this is heading so just just get together and give this a shot but took a while um i will say okay one of the funniest scenes i've ever seen was in this show in the third episode the scene with the rats in the oven (laughs) i (laughs) i was laughing so much i rewatched it multiple times when Lindsay says, should I turn it up? <laughs> Just the way that she says that and is so horrified. And the way Miguel is like, what do you mean? What do I mean? Like, <laughs> that was perfection to me. That was my favorite scene of the show. That was so good. I, I am so happy that all three of us love that scene. Because it's one of those scenes that I watch it like I am dying laughing. I'm also thinking, this is horrible. And I can see people who just like will be like, how can you find humor in this horrible thing happening? And I'm just so happy that all three of us are united in this being a hilarious, hilarious scene. Yes. And one other scene I wanted to uh, point out from previous episodes was the one where uh, Miguel is kind of just letting his imagination get away from him, imagining his life with Lindsay, like them, you know, getting married, having kids, whatever. And then on his deathbed, he's like, nice pants <laughs> like i just thought that was so funny because it's a little relatable of like oh things are going really well like you know in the very beginning of this relationship and you're like oh my gosh like i can see all of these things happening and just seeing him go through this in his head <laughs> and just call back to their first moment of meeting and saying nice pants as he dies was just so good so yeah and that'll happen in the first half of the show and i think those kinds of things are why I was really, really into this in the first half of the season. Well, speaking of that first episode and how they met, Lindy, I, we, we had to wait to get your thoughts on until you came to the podcast. Todd was insistent that he not be the one to address the particular topic. But uh, your thoughts on bathroom sex, Lindy? Yeah, so <laughs> I did listen to all your recaps of the previous episodes, of mm-hmm. course. And 
you know, some scandalous topics came up and every time you were like, oh, Lindy's not here, so can't make her uncomfortable. <laughs> and Todd was like, oh, Lindy's not here, so I'm the one who has to be uncomfortable. Like, Todd insisted that I wait for you to come out of the podcast to bring on these particular topics. I tried to address it with him and he was like, oh, no, we, we need to make sure Lindy's here. Yeah. So I'll just say on the topic that you just specifically asked ba- about yeah, bathroom, bathroom sex, boinking. Yeah. I will say that we've already discussed that. That's what there I is an episode of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend in which Rebecca engages in that activity. And I mean, my thoughts very clear as to how just unappealing I found the idea, mostly because of the unsanitary nature of, Lindy, of that. I One thing that you are completely failing to take into account what if there is a life-size cutout of the person you are having sex with also in the bathroom with you that hypothetically could be turned around to have multiple different faces would that do anything for you i just don't see how that changes the equation whatsoever (laughs) like why does the decor matter well lindy i mean my you know sex is a very visual type situation and so the decor is very important you have to be taking all factors into account here no yeah, but her main complaint was about the hygiene. I don't know that bringing in a, a standout uh, really affects the hygiene equation enough. I would, I would guess. Listen, it, it, it changes um, nothing about that exactly. Yeah. Sometimes the the dirtiness is what you need. Okay, I'm glad we got Lindy's. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad we got Lindy's take on that. I'm. Tr- I think there was at least one other thing that I am forgetting right now, but maybe it'll maybe it'll come to me during the podcast. Yeah. So, uh, what about the songs, Lindy? What have you thought about the um, the music in the show so far? Overall, big fan. Um, obviously, with any musical TV show, as we've seen, some songs are better than others. That's just how it is in every every show like this. Um, so there were some some that I absolutely loved, some that I was like, eh, that's okay. Um, but for the most part, I, I think it's been really good. I think some of my favorites, not including these two episodes we're covering today, but from the first six, um, I really liked... The one, I think it was the end of the fourth episode with uh, Ted Magooch, uh, So Many Ways. Yeah. I really liked that one. Uh, I thought that was really good. And the song with Miguel, uh, I forget the name, but he's in that white room with like, and wearing the jeans and all the dancers are there. Oh yeah, the Falling in Love song. Yeah, I really liked that one. And from earlier in the show, the song What If... So yeah. I've enjoyed I've enjoyed a lot of them. I enjoyed um, some of the, some, if not all of the ones in these two episodes, and we'll talk about that. But I've I've really liked the music. Lindy just listed, I believe, the three songs that I gave threes to that I gave full marks to. Wow! Oh my God, Lindy! I I and if you're a new listener, I never agree with Adam on purpose. It's always by accident. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, but it's starting to happen a lot. So we gotta we gotta figure that out. But you know, we'll get there. All right. Uh, well, uh, I think with that, uh, we will go ahead and start talking about the episodes uh, we're going to cover today. So we'll dive right in. So first up, we have episode seven titled Baggage. Uh, we open with a title card indicating this is eight months before Lindsay did drugs. And then we flash back to the PB&J scene from the first episode. Only this time after Lindsay tells Ned she's leaving, we get to hear him protest that their wedding is in six days. So what did y'all think about this revelation? I was a little upset that the show hid this from us on purpose, only to reveal it in the penultimate episode. I felt like, well, I I just felt like 
they're withholding this information on purpose to make it like a shocker later and i i didn't like it so much is it to make it a shocker later because i think my read on it was they were withholding this information because we needed to like Lindsay more <laughs> and if they would have <laughs> revealed this to us earlier in the show we would have been like oh man that's like even doubly worse than leaving someone you were with long term that you know you're six days until a wedding if you're six days until a wedding the wedding is basically over there is like nothing left to do except for uh, attend the wedding. Like that's it. Everything is already done and planned. So like this, this is, this is brutal. She's picked out cake. Like she's, she's done everything. She knows exactly what dress she's going to wear. Obviously, uh, you know, uh, th this is, this is, it's even bad. It's even worse, right? This is kind of what I'm talking about of these last two episodes did not do a lot of favors for me liking Lindsay in any way. Yeah, I, I see what Lindy is saying about, you know, yeah, it's weird that the show hid this from us for so long, but I also agree that, yeah, if they had shown it earlier, it might've been even harder to get on board with her as a character without a better reason for why she is deserting the marriage. I think that is like the, the one thing that if there was a better reason for why she was abandoning getting married to ned i think we could have been more on board with it i mean if, if she feels like she shouldn't get married to him she shouldn't get married to him that's fine but i don't know if the show ever really did a great job of showing a really good reason for her not just to call the wedding off but to just like leave and never contact anyone and so i don't know um but i it definitely caught me by surprise i was not expecting this to be the big reveal in the episode. I was not expecting this to be what was in the bag, the literal baggage being the wedding dress. Yeah. I felt the same way in terms of why did she leave him? And also like, why was she with him? If she just cut off all contact six days before the wedding and totally moved on with her life. I, I feel like we didn't really get a good sense of why was she with him in the first place and agreed to marry him and was so close to doing it and then gave it all up. I feel like I did not get enough information about that. Yeah, it's like she she won this contest and said, we should move to New York. And he said, no, uh, that's that's crazy talk. And that was like the end of it, the, the end of everything. Also, the fact that she wanted to go to New York to pick up the prize basically would have been like during their wedding. It felt like it's, yeah. it gives because in the first episode, his response to that is like, we're a little busy next week, Lens. You know, at that point in time, you just think he's maybe talking about a busy time at the office or something like that. But no, he was saying, yeah, we're getting married next week. Maybe it's now not the best time to run off to New York for the weekend, you know? And so his response seems like in retrospect, no, pretty, pretty understandable. Uh, but that seemed to be like the final straw for her when we hadn't seen any other straws before that. So yeah, again, the way that the show treats Lindsay is kind of strange. Does um, it do, does it cheapen that first song, which Todd, I remember we both actually really liked at the at the very beginning, the to really know someone. Honestly, that song has been stuck in my head more than any other song of the show like i really wish that it like wasn't that but way but i enjoyed it like in retrospect i probably would have given that a higher score than 2.5 which is already pretty high but like does this revelation cheapen that song a little bit because of the montage because of like the the you know the various scenes that we saw of them packing sandwiches brushing teeth getting dressed pajamas waking up all that does it cheapen that a little bit to be like we were six days out from a wedding and we only find that out in episode seven when in reality we had seen all of that monotony before and that was the reason that was given 
in in universe in show universe of why they were being split up in my mind it cheapens it a little bit that's interesting i hadn't thought about that way i'll have to chew on that a little bit to see if i agree or not um because i still think that the monotony is a, a big part of that why why she left but and you can still be like have monotony in your relationship before you get get married. I think probably the monotony became more and more apparent to her as they got closer to the wedding, and she may have realized, oh no, this is going to be my life forever. So I don't know if it cheapens it for me, but I agree that it definitely makes you have to look at it in a completely different light. Um, so back in the present day, Lindsay is still getting ground up by yogurt. And when she gets near him, uh, she's also still being blocked by Ned's voice, guilt tripping her for leaving him and never checking in to see how he's doing once in the past eight months. And the Ned voice references what's in the luggage again and makes a comment about she can't just get rid of it. But that seems to give her an idea. Um, that night at dinner, Miguel tells everyone that he's been pre-approved for an apartment at the Corinthian. His brother asks if Miguel and Lindsay are going to move in together, but she says that they've only been dating a few months and she's planning on finding her own place, especially since they think she might be over her block. Miguel said asked if the ravenous yogurt had eaten that day, and Lindsay says she tried, but Miguel told her that yogurt gets pukey if other people feed him. I have never had a dog like this, uh, but I would find this so funny. Like if, 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 you know, if the dog is kind of this like Nostradamus of, you know, <laughs> being able to tell the, the moral worth of someone there and not, you know, eating or whatever of that. Um, I, I think that yogurt is a good gag here at the beginning of this episode. And I did enjoy yogurt's uh, presence previously of just barking. But again, this feels like very one note that gets played a lot of times considering how like one note it is you know what i mean like i feel like this this was a good gag the one time and we're bringing it up again like we're doing more with this i don't know also are we supposed to like hate Lindsay for this like is that what we're supposed to know is be like oh Lindsay can't isn't good for miguel because of yogurt you know or does miguel not actually like Lindsay, or is yogurt too hesitant also it's very uh hard to do lindy and Lindsay just like you know like that in the same situation i just want to like you know I, and and for what it's worth, Lindy, I like your name more. So there you go. <laughs> Thank no, you so much. No offense to any Lindsay listeners out there, but you know. Yeah, no offense to that name, but I do agree that mine is better. That name, I she love... didn't even say it. It was like a Voldemort <laughs> situation. She like, no offense to that name, that who must not be named. Like, <laughs> but I love my name. I always have, and I think it's a great name. And it's really funny because I think on the first. Uh, podcast you did for the show i think todd at one point said lindy when yeah. he meant lindy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely <laughs> i'm, I'm I sure like, hmm. <laughs> I, I because i have actually called you lindsay in the past a few times uh oh. unfortunately uh and i i almost started this episode with a preemptive apology because i was sure at some point in this episode my tongue was going to get tied and i was going to actually say the wrong name at some point trying to get both lindy and Lindsay in there it's hard there's not a lot of other names that are like so close to adam or so close to todd maybe like a rod but like not really like it's that first letter it's like the first syllable that really hits and lind and lind you know it's it's all right there so it's very close lindy but well you know what you've come a long way from the preview pod where you called her so 
Sophie. So true. <laughs> I say point. close yeah. enough. That's true. Yeah. Very true. Very true. Uh, uh, really seeping it, into the brain there. It really did. It really. <laughs> I wrote it down that my notes wrong once, and then just copied every kept, kept looking back my notes. What's her name again? Sophie. That's right. Yeah. And, kept and honestly, whole, Todd, whole I would have loved to have like had the freedom to blame you for that because you did take the notes, but like. I watched the episode, like I, you know, or now, the, the preview at that point. I had watched the trailer, uh, and so you know, I had to. So you know, that's that's yeah. tough. That's tough for both of us. It's a bad yeah. look, but we recover. Yeah, uh, but going back to your question about what this is supposed to mean about you know yogurt and how you know relates to Lindsay as like a, a good partner for Miguel, I don't think that yogurt being you know, yippy at her. Uh, should be taken as a sign of slavery because Miguel keeps saying this is how yogurt is with other people. Uh, he's never like, oh, well, yogurt's fine around other people. I don't know why he's that way with you. It just seems to be like this is yogurt's an old dog who is very particular. And uh, even though, you know, friend of the podcast, Emily Reed did send in feedback about how this definitely shows that yogurt's a good sense of character because he doesn't like Lindsay. I don't know if that's necessarily what we're supposed to take away from it i feel like it's just like showing some more of Lindsay's awkwardness at times uh she doesn't know how to react to this uh but i think and you it being one note i get that but also is setting up the end of the episode with the uh or is it next episode um i'm getting confused but with these two episodes the whole yogurt snapping at Lindsay and how all that a uh falls out i think it's, it is kind of just a reminder that yeah even though they've been living together even though she's moved in and yogurt's around her more he's still not used to her and it's not going to change anytime soon um yeah i don't know if it's supposed to mean anything in the grand scheme of things about how yogurt reacts to her i think the thing that we can look at is how she reacts to yogurt more and how almost, miguel yeah. reacts to yeah, and, and here i don't think there's anything i mean she's like I mean, as someone who has my own dog phobia, I mean, if I had some dog growling and nipping at me, I'd be like, okay, you don't want me to let you out so you can go eat? Fine. You know, I, I can't I, uh, really blame her for not wanting to get near a dog that is being aggressive towards her. So personally, from my own point of view, I don't see this as a bad thing from her at this point. Wow. I, I, to be honest with you, Todd, I think that that is a very specific and unique view to you and your oh, own personal circumstances. A thousand percent. A thousand which percent. I, I don't mean to discredit. I'm just like looking at this from the perspective of what is the show trying to tell us. And I think that uh, I, I side pretty close to Emily here. Shout out to Emily, by the way, you know, agreeing with me earlier in, in a different situation. And, the, uh, you know, just, just a huge shout out to Emily. She's on the, on the uh, Zoe's podcast this, this, this week. So, you know, shout out to her. Anyway, I, I agree with this assessment of like, what is the show trying to tell us? I think it's that like Lindsay is not a good match for Miguel. That is the vibe that I'm getting from yogurt. I think that is like the, the yogurt vibe of it all. And I'm like, I'm inclined to believe yogurt in, in this particular circumstance. I don't know. I, I don't know. You, you think the show is telling us that Lindsay and Miguel aren't Why a good match? else? The show is about their relationship. Yeah, but like the, sh but the show is about how their relationship isn't really working though, right? Like it's not like their relationship was amazing and perfect at any of the times that Yogurt is like barking at her consistently, right? I think it's about them kind of uh setting themselves free from the voices in their head and once they do that they can actually is yogurt a voice in the head that's the no question. no yogurt no, but, not a voice in the head but i think miguel hasn't you no know, told Lindsay what yogurt means to him why yogurt is so special to him True. i think that's part of i think that's part of it it's 
the the show is saying that they are not sharing themselves with each other. And I think that's, again, just taken in a vacuum, I think your read is is completely valid. But coupled with what happens with yogurt later and what we learn about the how he got yogurt and how he sees yogurt, I think it's more of a, if Miguel was more forthright with Lindsay about why he's so attached to yogurt, maybe when they have the confrontation later, that goes a different way. Uh, so I think it maybe it's not so much that their relationship is doomed, but maybe that at this point in time, neither one of them is really at the point of being open and honest about who they are and where they are, and that's still causing problems. Uh, so a little bit later, Miguel gets an invitation to the release party for the Cyprian video game. Lindsay is excited to go, but Miguel says he wasn't planning on tending since that was practically another life for him. Lindsay tells him, you can't just run from your past or stuff it in some luggage and throw it in a dumpster behind a Greek restaurant in Queens, so to speak. Uh, he agrees to go for one drink as long as she's there with him. Smooth. Really smooth. Just nestled that in there like it was nothing, eh? Come yeah, I'm, I mean, if we know anything about Lindsay, it's that she's super smooth yeah. about everything that she does. I love the line delivery. That It was really funny. <laughs> But the character decision of <laughs> throwing the luggage in a dumpster behind a Greek restaurant, you know, probably shouldn't have done that. Probably not. In a um, Greek restaurant, nonetheless? Like, I don't know. That's so that's so mean to the Greek. <laughs> the Grecians have had enough, you know? Do they care? What, <laughs> what do you mean, do they care? Do the Greek care? Of what's in their dumpster? Yeah. I, if I were Greek, I would care. <laughs> What do you have against the Greek? I'm not even going to address that because. <laughs> Are you anti-Grecian? Like, what is the what? Do you not like Greek food, Lindy? Is that what it is? You're not we... like a not a <laughs> not a Greek person. I never said anything of that sort. I That's what I heard. Said, That's all I heard was that yeah, I, I know hate Greek. <laughs> I haven't had a Greek food in so long. Actually, I should probably I should get some sometime soon. There's not a lot of great Greek food in St. Louis. Let me just tell you, not a lot. <laughs> Not a lot of Greek food happening around here. Well, everyone uh, calls it gyros. <laughs> yeah, it's it's getting it's bad here. Well, um, the, apparently uh, Lindsay also starts to worry about what the Greeks will think about it being our dumpster because she does uh, go to retrieve the suitcase, and that's when we finally see what's in it: Ned's mother's wedding dress, which Lindsay was supposed to wear. As the voices all scold her, she claims she didn't mean to take it and even forgotten she had it, but the voices all scoff at her. She then tells them she has to take it back and is sure that if she explains what she was thinking, people will understand. The mom voice tells her she better put on the performance of a lifetime, and Lindsay says she will, and here's where we get the first song of the episode, Please Like Me. Uh, so, Lindy, what did you think of this song? Well... I absolutely love this one. I think it was great. It was funny and it was a great performance, I thought. And I I think the message was relatable of like, you know, I, I want people to like me. I don't want anyone to be mad at me. Like, please like me. Even though she's done this uh, thing that he would should be totally justified in not liking her for. Um, but she's still like, please like me. So, you know, I can like me too. And I liked all the la la la's. I thought it was great. I loved it. I, yeah, I perfect last step with Lindy here. I absolutely adored this song. Um, 
I, you know, Lindy, we can never be mad at you, truly. Like, you know, we, we just couldn't be mad at you, except all the times that I'm very mad at you, which is all the time. But other than that, we're never mad at you. Uh, no, this song was great. This was so much fun. Like, her giving the performance. I think that one of the things that is um, maybe underrated that we haven't really talked about in the previous couple of podcasts about Mae Whitman is her ability to convey the emotion of the song when she's singing it. Not just, like, the performance, not just the choreography, but when she was performing this, uh, you know, on the stage with that very, you know, kind of performance microphone that's in front of her, I genuinely felt like she was begging us to like her. And, you know, th- I feel like that's not necessarily an easy thing to convey in that sense, you know, with her facial reactions, with the limited choreography that happens. Um, I-, I felt like her performance of this was very telling of like, please, please like me, like, come on, like, please. <laughs> but, and, and I felt that like on a very, you know, emotional level, because, you know, we all, we all want to be liked in some capacity. Some of us can handle, you know, hate and disagreement more than others, certainly. But like, at the end of the day, like, this is a very relatable song and a song that I think actually could, uh, you know, be, be popular or withstand outside of this show. I might have a conversation about that a little bit later. I don't know how many songs from the show are going to ever be heard outside of the context of the show. This is maybe one of them that I could easily see. Okay. In eight months, we're going to have a, you know, six day TikTok trend of like one of the riffs of this song or something like that. I really liked it. The syncopation was really good. The arrangement was really good. I loved the way that the camera kind of, uh, you know, panned around her and then the red lights behind her just like really showcased her performance here. This I think was potentially, the best Mae Whitman solo of of the series. I think that like this to me is like one of the standout performances of her. Uh, the duet that happens later that we'll talk about in, in the next episode, I think was probably the best song of the series, but I think that this was probably her best performance of the series. I don't know if that's going out on a limb. I don't know if that's going too far. I really like this song though. Um, I wouldn't say I was going out on the limb because you just stole what I was about to say. Uh, that was going to be my take as, as well, Adam, is that uh, I don't know if I would say this is the best song of the series, but for her performance uh, she just knocks on the park because there is so much there's so much comedy in it but also so much pathos as well the physical comedy of it but the performance her her vocals are great but just the physicality of it all and another thing i think we have you know because we came into this saying that one of the main, main reasons we wanted to watch the show was because of may whitman we're all may whitman fans and I think Lindsay would not be anywhere near as likable as she is as a character if it wasn't for the Mae Whitman effect. Hard I think Mae Whitman brings a lot of likability. So even ever Lindsay is doing things that are like, what in the world are you doing? Mae Whitman still kind of helps us get over that hump a bit with her performance and her just inner chemistry and likability. So uh, I think that this song is like a perfect example of that. Yeah, I really love this song. That is a great point that I was probably predisposed to liking Lindsay because I love Mae Whitman. <laughs> and I, I didn't think about that, but that's probably why I like her Lindsay as much as I do. <laughs> because I, I I think it's a great performance like throughout the whole series. And this song in particular was fabulous. Yeah. Sometimes I think that's why I'm higher in Zoe than either of you are because I came into it like a really really love Jane Levy from other things I'd seen her in. So I think some of that might carry over. And if you're not as familiar with her, then maybe you don't have that. I don't know if either one of you had ever seen her in anything else really. Huh. We should no. talk about that in the next episode. Is that, Cause I know her from nothing. So that would be an interesting topic. We should file that away somewhere. Yeah. Someone not named me, write that down as a note. Cause I'm <laughs> never going to remember that. Todd's got it. <laughs> 
so uh, Lindsay does go back home to return the wedding dress. As she starts to a, a ding dong ditch the, the wedding dress, uh, then loses her nerve. Uh, Ned's mom opens a door before she can escape. She apologizes and asks Ned's mom not to hate her, but the mom hugs her and calls her a brave, brave angel. Then bites her into the house, which is filled with people who are apparently there for syrup nights. And Ned is there. Lindsay apologizes to everyone, but Ned says he won't accept an apology from her. When you blew up our life with no warning and seemingly without a shred of basic human decency, that wasn't used. You were in the grips of a tick-borne psychosis. What? <laughs> I, literally, I was confused watching this scene. I was like, are we in a hallucination here? Like, is this real? <laughs> like, am I actually watching this? I, I don't know. And even once I, like, kind of figured it out, I was not in love with any of this like this was i my entire reaction to this entire scene is like what like really like this is what we're doing in the show the penultimate episode like really i was so confused the first time when uh, ned's mom was so nice to her i was like wait a second <laughs> what is happening yeah this was a little weird obviously yeah just a bit uh, i think it was intentional but at the same time it was tick-borne psychosis and yeah, we'll find out more about that uh, shortly but it is a th another scene where you come in and they kind of pull the rug out from under you by introducing information that you didn't have before well uh, and okay so but like to that point though todd i actually think that not having this particular piece of information of like uh, he had been he had been you know spreading it as a tick-borne psychosis is a lot more reasonable and understandable than not having the other piece of information because like We've had Lindsay's perspective for six episodes. We have not had Ned's perspective for six episodes. So I, I was okay with that element of it. But like the every other part of this was like, <laughs> what are we doing here? Like, is this really happening? People believed this. People, you know, if, uh, uh, do you have any, any tick thoughts? I don't know. This is a very niche take. But like, so the, the summer camp that I usually go to in Wisconsin every year, there's ticks galore. Like you cannot not get ticks walking through the woods from one camp to the other, from one cabin to the other. And so my entire life, I'm I'm very familiar with ticks. I've I've pulled out countless ticks of my own body from other people's bodies. They always get stuck in my hair all the time. It's so annoying. Ticks like suck as you're walking through. So I've uh, never had any like illnesses from ticks, but they are the worst. I you have to do a tick check at the end of every day just to make sure you don't have any ticks. Yeah, uh, growing up in northeastern Oklahoma, ticks were a massive, massive problem. Uh, dealt with them all the time. One time as a kid, I was on my granddad's farm, uh, just, uh, you know, going out in the fields doing stuff. And I got home and I had like you no know, ankle length, you know, and that's like almost like knee high socks. And I took my socks off and both legs were covered with ticks, just completely covered both, both legs from like ankle to knee almost. And that was one of the most miserable summers I have ever had. Uh, but after the worst. that, you gotta like burrow them out. It's like a yeah. whole process. It's it's terrible, Lindy. Do you have yeah. any take experience? Your 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 reaction here is like visceral. <laughs> I'm really uncomfortable with <laughs> thinking about the what you all just said because mm -hmm. it sounds horrible. I feel so grateful right in this moment that I do not have any personal tick stories. I am <laughs> thanking. <laughs> I am looking back on my life and thinking, thank goodness. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but in terms of uh, you were asking, like, oh, people actually believe this. Well, they wanted to believe it. Like they, Ned and his family don't want to believe, oh, Lindsay would just up and leave him 
of course they don't want to think that they want to think oh this poor girl was uh, you know diseased and she was not thinking straight and that's why she left our dear sweet ned like <laughs> like they just want to think that you know so we then cut back to miguel's where orson is drawing out a game plan for how Miguel should interact with his ex Fiona at the party. The game plan includes a big stack of business cards, the line, looks like the odds are stacked in my favor, and the end goal of a sloppy menage a trois, which Miguel isn't really on board with. Linda, you know the question that's coming to you here. And I'm you... going to ignore it and give my own thoughts. And <laughs> <laughs> People want thoughts... to know your answer, though, Lindy. My thoughts are... I didn't People want to know. Okay, please stop talking. <laughs> wow. Oh, okay. Well, what can you do? I'm trying to give the people content, Lindy. I'm trying to give my preferred content, and you're preventing me from it. But preferred content could be a menage a trois. Maybe that's preferred for some people. I don't know. That's what we're trying to figure out here. That's the goal of this podcast. I think I'm... Lindy's refusal to a uh, give that content is an answer in and of itself to the question. Okay, I like that, Todd. That's a good read. She's not into threesomes. Okay, that's a good read. I could see that. I could see Lindy being a not into threesomes girly. Okay, Lindy, continue. Anyway, um, <laughs> I did not mention this up front, but one of my favorite characters in this show is Orson. I think every time he is on screen, he delivers. I think he was a great a character in this show. And I think uh, overall, Miguel's voices worked a lot better for me than Lindsay's voices and I think Orson is a big part of that he he's he's unique I mean he's adding something he's not always appropriate but I think it worked in the in the context of the show and I love that he was like oh the calculus on the menage has become a little thornier <laughs> yes but he still thinks he can make it work and then he asks for his marker you know that's just like Orson Orson cracks me up. Orson is, I'm, I'm with you, Lin Lindy. Uh, Orson is like one of the uh, the best characters in the show. And yes, I almost I said <laughs> the wrong name really there. Close. It was really close. It almost slipped out and I caught myself. I'm, I'm impressed that you were able to catch yourself in real time. That was really good. Uh, that was really good. Uh, yeah, I mean, this was a very funny scene. Um, the only confusion I have here is like this X very emotionally damaged you, Miguel. Like, like big time. Uh, the guy who she cheated on you with is in your head constantly. Like, why are you even considering what to do in this scenario? Like, it should be so clear to just stay away from the situation and not engage with it. But like, he's game planning, wanting to still wanting to be with her in some capacity. And there's also something really effed up about the guy she was cheating on you with being the one in your head. That's like, Let's angle this into a threesome with her. <laughs> the voice was the one that was cheating on you. So, like, there's something really effed up about that entire situation. Right. Look, the central premise of the show is that uh, uh, Miguel needs some mental help. I mean, that's like yeah, but I like Miguel is. more than Lindsay Todd. That's the yeah. problem. <laughs> I mean, true. I but they both need help in in different ways. I, I agree that having Orson be the voice that is always trying to get him to do this stuff is definitely messed up but it is no that is the image that miguel has latched onto is like well apparently this is who fiona wanted to be with so maybe if i was more like him maybe then she wouldn't have like cheated on me so you can definitely like trace it back to a certain degree and yeah he should stay away from her he shouldn't be thinking about this but 
he was about to propose to her. So I think deep down there's still some sort of feelings towards her. And I think he doesn't want to completely ignore her. I think kind of like Orson says during this whole thing is like, you got the girlfriend, you got the job, you got to rub her nose in how well you're doing now. So I think probably from Miguel's point of view, most of what he's really thinking is, yeah, I got to show off that even though she destroyed my life, I've rebuilt my life into something better. So I think that's what Miguel at the forefront of his brain is thinking. But then the the primal urge part of his brain, which is what Orson represents, is more of a, yeah, but wouldn't it be nice if we also were able to like hook up with her again too? Uh, so I think there's a, a lot going on there, Miguel, because Miguel is like at the forefront of his brain saying, yeah, no, I don't want any of that. But the fact that Orson is verbalizing it means that, yeah, there is some part of him that does want that. So then we cut back to Lindsay at her mom's house where we see her actual mom in present time. And she confronts her mom about telling everyone she had the tick-borne psychosis. Her mom explains that after Lindsay left, everyone in town was furious at Lindsay and at her mom by extension. Although how into that was actually her mom projecting or people accepting that her mom, who can say? But after seeing a Dateline segment on Lyme disease, her mom just happened to wonder out loud at the grocery store if maybe that's what had happened. And the rumor spread and everyone, especially Ned, grabbed onto it as an explanation. So uh, then Lindsay calls Miguel and he asks where she is since they're about to be late to the party. And at, at this point, I'm just like, wait, she went to visit her parents, has not told him yet, and she's telling him now? She lies and tells him that she has to work and can't get out of it. He gets mad, and but when Orson congratulates him on making Lindsay feel guilty for something she can't control, he realizes he was a jerk. Lindsay, why? Why did you do this? Why did you go to your parents on the day of the party that you promised Miguel you would go to, and why, when you did that, you didn't tell him, and then when you were there so late you couldn't make it to the party, you lied to him and said you were working. Why? Wh why? <laughs> I hated this. I hated this so much. Um, and it's another another comment I we got from uh, Emily Reed about this is one of those contrived TV situations where a simple bit of communication would have kept things from going off the rails. She didn't even have to tell him what she did. She just had to say, hey, uh, something came up. I need to go take care of some stuff back home. I'm sorry. But yeah, she could have waited a day. She could have waited one more day to do this. She didn't have to do it immediately, but she could have at least told him, you know, something's come up. I have to go home and take care of. I'm sorry. You know, yeah, I hate it. I hate it so much. Especially something that's going to be so easy to be disproven. So easy to disprove that she is working late. Um, yeah, and I like I did like that. Like Miguel got frustrated, but immediately realized, oh, I shouldn't have gotten frustrated. Uh, and it's, it's Orson, Orson congratulating him that hasn't realized that, but it's the thing like, oh, he's, cause he's already nervous about the party. He's nervous about seeing Fiona and the only thing getting him through it is knowing that Lindsay's going to be there. And then that being pulled away, he kind of snaps in the moment, but then automatically is like, oh, dang, I lost my temper. I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. I, I am in similar kind of frustration at the character in this moment, but also I think that like telling a comparatively small lie and i say comparatively because i think that's very important to note that like there are there are worse lies that could be told here a comparatively small lie makes a lot of sense for how Lindsay is feeling in this moment and i think that like 
knowing that you're not really going to gain any ground or accomplish anything significant in this time is not something that's going through her head when she's like going back to, to, to her mom's house. Right. Like she doesn't, I don't, I don't think it like, I think it's consistent with the character that we've seen from Lindsay that like, she is not thinking this through in the way that will make the most sense in the long run. And that might be me just being down on the character as a whole, which, you know, is weirdly giving her credit to me in this scenario where she's not making like, what is the ideal scenario or ideal choice here? But I don't think like, I'm not dinging her big time for this lie. Uh, if anything, I'm like dinging Miguel more for like getting frustrated initially at like, you know, figuring it out, quote unquote, because I do think that like, you know, if she had been telling the truth, let's assume she was telling the truth. I still think Miguel would have been like a little too far uh, with even, you know, even what he did here. And I, you know, maybe we could say Lindsay doesn't, uh, shouldn't go out on the night of the party, but also like, I don't know. I'm not like, I'm not taking Lindsay as much here. And I don't know why, because I don't like her as a character and I'm like struggling to figure out why I actually feel this way, but I'm not like digging her big for this scene, even though I have been for basically the entirety of the series. That's really weird because I hated this. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's because I've been in here for the entirety of the series that like this is what I've just like come to know and expect. And this is not like <laughs> this is not different than what we've seen previously. Like this makes sense for Lindsay, even if it's like, you know, not good. Like, I'm not saying this is a good decision to make, but like makes sense. I'm not like mad about it. I don't Interesting. know. I'll agree that it makes sense given what we've seen from her. It's not a 100% surprising, but it's still disappointing because the other times that we've seen her kind of lie to Miguel about stuff, they weren't together. They weren't in a full relationship. They hadn't, you know, basically moved in together <laughs> for a period of time. So I think that this one hurts more because they are currently in a relationship. She has agreed to, to help him out and is backing out of it and is lying to cover backing out of doing something to help him. Now, granted, she doesn't know the full extent of why he's nervous about going to the party because again he withheld information from her but it's still all designed to set up a blow up at the end of the episode and i think i'm almost more upset the writers for doing this than the character for doing this because like th there could have been other ways to get to this result without having this contrived just just you know don't be such a blatant liar about it uh but yeah uh, we then cut to Lindsay's mom dropping her off at the bus station and Lindsay asks if I can stop by the morgue to see her dad and her mom makes some excuses but then admits that the two of them have been living apart for a few months. Lindsay's upset that her mom didn't tell her sooner but her mom argues that it would have just made her upset. Her mom then asks about who she called earlier and Lindsay tells her about Miguel and admits that she hasn't told them all the details of her leaving Ned. Her mom says they're not so different. And from the back seat, the mom voice in Lindsay's head agrees, which I love this moment. I love the moment of the mom voice appearing in the back seat and going, I've been saying that for months. <laughs> you know, I thought that was a really funny moment. I thought it was interesting that we don't see her dad present day because obviously it's not like, oh, we didn't want to like find an actor for this because <laughs> he's in the show already. <laughs> So I thought that was weird that they didn't they didn't go there at all. Did you want that character to be there, Linda? Do you think it would have added like something significant for you? I, I I don't know because I don't know what they would have done. I think I'm just saying I think it's strange that they didn't even explore that at all. I know it's like there were only eight episodes. There's not much time, but yeah. I just because she mentioned it. She's like, oh, can I go see dad? And her mom is basically like, no. <laughs> so she doesn't. 
Yeah, I think it's odd that because her mom isn't talking to her dad, she doesn't go talk to her dad. I think that's kind of weird. I agree. I, I definitely thought at the time, I was expecting her to go see her dad after that conversation by herself and not have her mom around. And maybe if that happened, then she wouldn't have made it back in time for the party and we wouldn't have had the big blow up that we had. So maybe a, uh, she should have stayed and talked to her dad. Uh, but yeah, I think it's weird to bring it up and a, uh, not have her see her dad. I agree. It really threw me for a loop. Because I feel like, okay, well, maybe they only had John Hodgman for like certain days and they couldn't have him filming for this day. I don't know. But yeah, it, it is a, it really struck me as an odd choice to, to bring him up and then not actually have him interact with Lindsay at all here. Um, we then cut to Miguel, who's gone to the bookstore because he feels bad about being a jerk to Lindsay on the phone. So he's got cupcakes to apologize. When he gets there, he finds out that she lied to him again. Uh, on the subway, his mom voice says she knew Lindsay was trouble from the start. Renee makes fun of him, tells him he better cover his face with his coat so people don't see him crying. But Orson convinces him to stop thinking about it and just go to the party. He gets to the party and talks to his old office mate, Steph, about how he does miss the video game work just a bit. And then Fiona taps him on the shoulder. Couple thoughts. Number one, uh, Fiona's pretty hot. That's I'm just gonna like put it out there. I don't know how else to say it. Like she's she's very attractive. Um, so like, you know, whatever. We could just move right past that. Um are the cupcakes too much for me? Yeah, they are. I think that I think like the cupcakes are I know, I know, I know, I know. I, my, I, <laughs> I'm shocked because I loved the cupcake part, especially because it looked like the exact same cupcakes that Lindsay brought to Miguel's office once upon a time. And so uh -huh. I was like, that's a cute little connection. These like apology reaching out cupcakes. So I thought yeah. it was really sweet and I was saddened Literally. that he, it turned out that she was lying to him. Okay, I totally agree. It's a great callback. Uh, you know, good stuff with the show. I'll, t I'll, you know what? I'll take the blame on this one because I did not call it out at the beginning that I didn't like the cupcakes the first time. <laughs> and so, you know what? That one's on me for you know. I I should have been consistent with this. This I don't know. To me, it was like. Uh, maybe Lindsay was presenting this in such a way that like we as the viewer knew it was obvious that she was lying, but I kind of also thought that she didn't do a great job of like being convincing of this lie that, you know, she was working late or whatever. Maybe that was just like a bad read of the situation or maybe Miguel is like not that insightful or, or understanding of like the way that Lindsay works. I don't know. Um, this was like too far though, right? Like she canceled, she said she, she couldn't come to a thing. She had to do something else. And like, uh, I don't know. Don't bring the cupcakes. Like it's only, it's only going to be doomed. Wow. Uh, yeah. I would not have expected that take. I thought that the cupcakes was a good sign that he, you know, he realized that he, you know, lashed out that he, you know, got upset over something that she had no control over. He was feeling bad that he might've made her feel bad. So, you know, he's trying to make it up to her and he never, she was trying to make things up to him before she brought the cupcakes. And so he's like returning the favor. And, you know, I, I mean, yeah, maybe he doesn't really fully understand how much Lindsay lies, but again, I can't ding someone for trusting the person they're in a relationship with. Like if the person in your relationship with tells you, yeah, I can't make it because I have to work late. Uh, hopefully your instinct is like, okay, they're telling the truth. Uh, and if your instinct is not that, then your relationship definitely has worse problems, which we're finding out now the relationship probably does have worse problems. He maybe should have suspected her, but I, again, can't really ding him at this moment in time because I feel like 
as they've been like dating fully, he probably feels like they've gotten past those bumps in the relationship, uh, not realizing that the bumps are still there. This might be an unpopular take, I say, before many of the things that I say on podcasts. Um, this really might be an unpopular take, but I do think that like the grand gestures and I, maybe I'm hesitant to call like bringing cupcakes a, a grand gesture, but like these types of gestures uh, can be very manipulative. That's, uh, you know, I think that's more of like where I'm coming down of like, I think that Miguel had, <laughs> this is a, probably a bad read. I think Miguel had more of an agenda here than he is letting on in this particular situation. Um, and I think like part of my reasoning for that read is his reaction to the lie that she is saying more than it actually is his impetus for making and bringing the cupcakes. So maybe it's a little hindsight driven in terms of like my read of the situation. But I think that when you make such a big gesture towards someone, there's a little bit more pressure on them to, I don't know, like act a certain way, respond a certain way. And I think that like, I don't know, there's a little bit more manipulation here from Miguel than I would like. And I don't know. I disagree with that uh, because, <laughs> okay, it's not, I don't think this is a grand gesture. To me, that implies something much more grand. This is a box of cupcakes. And again, I'll point out, Lindsay has done this exact same thing for him already. So it's not like he's thought of this, you know, grand thing to do. Like, this is a precedent in their weird relationship of bringing someone cupcakes. Like, it's already happened. I don't think that this is manipulative. Yeah, I'm uh, definitely on Team Lindy here uh, on that. I, I don't really see the manipulation uh, aspect of him bringing the cupcakes. It's an apology thing. It's re referencing something that she's done for him in the past. And again, it's just a box of cupcakes. So well, let me tell you something good here. We're back to we're back on track, baby. We got the, <laughs> the classic one v two happening, and we love to see it. So it just, this feels so much better, doesn't it? It feels correct. Yeah, yeah. It feels good. It, it feels right. It feels right. Mm. Um, at the bus station, Ned's voice appears and tells Lindsay that she's now unblocked and can finish her book. She replies that she still has no idea how to finish it, but he assures her that he's sure everyone will like it, just like everything else she does. I do want to pause here. There was something I wanted to mention earlier in the scene between Lin Lindsay and her mom, just a line from her mom about the reason she told the lie was that everyone liked you again. And that's all I've ever wanted for you, which I feel like a really weird thing to always want for your child is just for people to like them, not for them to be happy, not them to be successful, but for everyone to like them. And I think that ties in really well here because I think that has informed a lot of what Lindsay has done. And so the voice is saying, yeah, they're going to like it just like they like everything you do. And so then she realizes that trying to please everyone is her real problem and that she's her own block. And she heads off to Ned's as she sings the song, The Truth Is. So Adam, thoughts on The Truth Is? I am enamored by this song, Todd. I like truly have been like taken, I've, I've been swept up by this song. There's a, there's a line in here that I, it's the only line of any song that I have written down specifically for this coverage. The truth is the cost is too high to keep splitting your life to fit somebody's life. The truth may be hurtful to hear, but you must disappoint before you disappear. I mean, uh, come on. 
are you kidding me like that's the the level of lyric that we're spitting out in this like stupid little eight episode hulu show come on this is ridiculous this is like insanely powerful and poetic writing to come from you know the writing team that todd i I remember the preview podcast we were talking about like the the star quality of the people behind this show is immense like we were listing names left and right we were talking consistently about like our expectations of what the level of writing and music was going to be for the show and to be honest with you we had only kind of seen it i think up until this point and the performances have been really good and they've elevated the song really well to me like these two lines here are devastating like they they hit like a ton of bricks right in the freaking stomach i'm i'm like i'm just taken by the song completely um spoiler this is gonna get a full three for me i really really love this song this like this was a very moving and insanely good song and a great performance from her as well like i know we said the other one as well but like this was a very emotional uh you know a very into a performance that i really appreciated and has been just living rent free in my head for a while like these these two lines i i just cannot help but be like damn this is good yeah uh the lines that you mentioned that you most as a punk for you disappear something i had written down to talk about as well because that line just like you said like it just hit like a ton of bricks it's like so good and such a great summation of what Lindsay is dealing with in her in her mind and what she's struggling with she doesn't want to disappoint anyone but uh the big problem with with Lindsay is by trying to please everyone she's upsetting everyone by trying to please everyone she's become someone that we as viewers don't particularly care for uh, because she is like doing all this stuff that doesn't feel authentic. And also she tries to do things to make one person like her. And well, that's going to make someone else not like her. So then she tries to backpedal on that and it just goes back and forth. And this is her finally starting to come to the realization that you, you can't please everyone. And by trying to please everyone, you are only going to make yourself a hollowed out shell and yeah, I think the song is beautiful. I think it's a wonderfully written song, beautifully composed. I, uh, I think like my big takeaway from the series is if it wasn't for the music, I probably wouldn't like the show as much as I do. I think the music is something that has helped me power through the times, never the, the back and forth of the will they, won't they relationship, which yo-yos way too much for my taste uh, would have gotten stale a lot more, but the songs have helped elevate that quite a bit uh and this is like a prime example of that yeah i really like this song as well i thought it was beautiful the music and as always a great performance i feel like i should stop saying that because i feel that way every time (laughs) um yeah i really liked it the one thing that it's not really about the song itself but the things that she was saying i thought this was gonna lead her back to miguel to like talk to him but she shows up at ned's front door i guess maybe i should have known what where she was going but i just assumed that she would that she was leaving you know interesting yeah i can see that i think she needed to take this first step in telling the truth before she headed home to tell miguel the truth i think she had to rip off this band-aid before she felt comfortable going home and ripping off the band-aid uh around miguel that's kind of my read on it um, speaking of Miguel, uh, back at the launch party, he and Fiona are catching up. She apologizes about everything that went down. And one of my favorite moments of the episode and boss of the series, she's like, yeah, I'm sad about how everything went down with Orson. And the Orson boy is like, Orson? My name is Orson? What the? <laughs> you know, it's just hilarious. I 
died at his reaction to finding out what his name is. Uh, but then she asks where his plus one is and if they're serious. And Miguel says you know, she had some personal business to care of and he's not sure how serious they are. Completely agree with you, Todd. The moment when Orson finds out his name was incredible. I loved it. One of the best little moments in the show. Um, as far as the not knowing how serious, again, it's more of the same. Like Miguel and Lindsay just need to just need to tell each other how they feel and s- stop making everything so complicated. And at this point in the show, I've gotten frustrated with it. Like I understood it at the beginning more so, but when it went back and forth, like you were saying, Todd, I, I love look i love like what's i i don't know how to like i love watching like romances play out on television shows like i love tv i love that aspect of it i'm rooting for Lindsay and miguel but it does frustrate me how it's always like oh like now i don't know how serious we are because she lied to me one time like i don't know So uh, we then return to Lindsay at Ned's where she's just finishing up telling him the truth about everything and saying now she's leading an authentic life, which are you? Are you really, Lindsay? Uh, But he's upset to find out it wasn't because of inflammation in the brain, but she asked him, isn't it better to know the truth? And his response is that he thinks he hates her. And she's like, oh, I I get that and tries to give him a hug. And then he curses at her and she was, oh, no, he actually does hate her at the moment. And then the camera shifts to show that the entire household people is watching this. And she's like, does the back door open? And she like quickly leaves through the back door. I mean, I just hate this from Lindsay. Like, again, like that's my my biggest issue here is I am reading nothing out of this scene other than immense selfishness from her. Like this is this is all about her getting stuff off her chest, off her mind. Like she wants to have control of this narrative, and I'm like, none of this is actually for Ned at all. Like there's, you know, if, if she actually knew Ned at all, Ned clearly did not get anything positive out of this. He was only upset. He was clearly embarrassed by the whole situation. I like again, so many things. These episodes, outside of the performances of the songs, are like not making me like Lindsay any more than I was before, and I already really wasn't. So this was this was just yet another tough scene to to put on the stack of cards that are tough scenes from Lindsay. Yeah. It's one of those difficult situations where in a way she's trying to do like the make amends thing of like, she's trying to correct her mistakes, but is apologizing to him and telling the truth now, is that more for her or more for him? And yeah, I do think that it really is more for her than for him. But I also think that at this point she can't stand the thought that people are liking her for a lie. And she feels like she has like to do this. Uh, I don't like her telling him in front of everyone. Uh, While it was like a funny shot of the reveal of everyone just staying there staring at them. It was also like, dude, why are you like doing, why are you breaking this guy's heart all over again in front of his nearest and dearest? That is just cruel. You know, you could have like gotten him alone. Like we need to talk with no one else could hear that sort of thing. Having the entire crowd there again, not, not the best look, not the best look for Lindsay there. Uh, Not great. But but him him like her going to a uh, hug him, him like what the f are you doing? It's like 
wow, Ned cursing, I think, is like a really big moment for the show, for the character of Ned. And showing just like how how much she's hurt him and how much this has like bothered him. So I thought that was that was a, a nice moment. But overall, yeah, I agree, Adam, that this is not something that is really making Lindsay look all that great. Uh, then we cut back to the party and Steph and Fiona convince Miguel to dance with them. And then Miguel starts to leave and Fiona stops him and kisses him just as Lindsay arrives in time to see it. Um, and again, I need to bring up a comment from uh, Emily about this, about, okay, how the heck did she get back there? Because from comments she's made, her, her family is like in Vermont and somehow she's made it on the bus ride back in time for this party. Uh, some, some timeline shenanigans is what Emily referred to this as. And I, I kind of agree. Uh, it doesn't really seem like that is going to be possible, but who knows? Maybe the party went super, super late. I don't know, but it feels like the, the drive would have been a few, few more hours than would have like been uh, possible here. Admittedly, I did not get upset about this, but it was because I was so upset about other things that like this was just, you know, it is what it is. Well, I I agree. Like the timing doesn't make sense. Um, but really, it's just the classic TV thing of, oh, they walk in at the exact wrong moment. And that always bugs me because, of course, of course, the exact moment. Oh, that's when she arrives, when she could have arrived at any moment before that. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's annoying. It's so tropey. Everything about the storyline in this episode between Lindsay and Miguel feels so tropey and really annoys me. I feel like the writing in this episode is probably the writing that has bothered me the most because so much is just so contrived. Uh, it's like, okay, we got to figure out a way to get them to break up one more time before the finale. What are we going to do? Oh, I know. We'll have him lie, him find out. Someone else kiss him, her see it, and her blame him even though he didn't initiate the kiss. Uh, yeah, I hate it. I hate all of it. I hate it so much. But that's the end of episode seven, Baggage. And so now we're going to take that baggage into episode eight, Y2K. And we start off this episode seeing Miguel moving into his condo at the Corinthian while we hear Lindsay's voiceover talking about how she's had some bumps in her journey to becoming a writer, but she's sure she can overcome them and that she will be a great roommate. We then see that she's pitching herself to Marta and Dave to get back her old room because apparently Marta just happened to bump into Dave after they uh, vacated their squat and started dating him. Uh, when Dave asks Lindsay if she's dating anyone, she says no. Marta is really threatening for another <laughs> another point here. Like, oh my goodness. Yeah, she's about to win the Wheelie Award yet again. <laughs> Oh my goodness. I, my favorite part about this is like, Kim's like, yeah, I ran into it. Almost like she's waiting for me. Almost, almost. And like, yeah. And we have so much in common. Her favorite books are literally the same ones I have on my shelf. And Lindsay's like, that's so weird. But I was like, it's not weird. It's not that weird. And it's kind of like giving Lindsay a look. Yeah. I thought this was really funny. And I knew, as I've done the rewatch, I knew Adam was going to love this because it was Marta being, you know, Marta again. Yeah, this was, this was incredible. And I knew we would all love it. Like it was so funny. <laughs> Loved it. Yeah. So uh, at the bank Christmas party, Kevin tells Miguel that the bank has had a massive data breach, the worst anyone's ever seen, but that he's still sure it's nothing compared to Y2K. Chad tells Miguel he's welcome to shelter at his parents' place, but Miguel declines. When they ask if he's going to be spending time with Lindsay, he's noncommittal. 
We then see a Christmas montage with Miguel and Lindsay singing their Christmas wishes for each other, uh, which ends with the voices all voicing their belief that the two are better off without each other. And we all happens from this song, A Christmas Prayer. So Adam, as our resident Christmas fanboy, what was your thoughts on this Christmas song? A resident Christmas fanboy? I mean, I do love Christmas. Um but I hated this song so much. This was maybe the worst song of the entire season, to be honest with you. Like, no part of this worked for me. Um, maybe there was, like, a small gag of, like, oh, I hope your Christmas sucks. Like, uh, maybe that could have, like, been funny if it was delivered in a better way. Um, the lyrics were, like, only slightly witty, I guess. And the performances were just so lackluster that, like, there was no emotion here. Um the best part of it was the end when the voices were basically saying, yeah, it's, it's much better without the much, you know, much, whatever, like, and even that was still so lackluster. So this, this to me was a massive miss in terms of music, which is really unfortunate because the previous two songs were really good. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. This did, this did absolutely nothing for me. I'm not like as down as you just were, but I overall kind of agree like I didn't love just like the message behind it from the characters of like I hope your Christmas sucks like mine sucks and I want yours to be the same like again I think it just ties back to my overall thoughts about them and their journey in this show of like uh, why are you like this (laughs) like um, I think I'm a little bit higher on it than either of you are. I'm definitely higher on it than Adam is. I'm a, a slightly higher than than Lindy is. Uh, still not going to be one of my favorites of the show. It's not going to get a super high score, but it worked better for me than it did for either of you. Um, uh, anyway, Lindsay winds up showing her finished book to Mr. Magooch, and he's very impressed, calling Squid the Squirrel complicated like all the best characters are. He even offers to illustrate it for her, but he also has notes because he says Squid is gross, and he tells her, I have no idea how to make the grotesque mutant you've written adorable. He suggests forgetting the whole Squid thing and just making a cute squirrel and tells her if she doesn't take the notes, she'll need to find another illustrator. Um, at Miguel's office, Dick comes in and tells him they traced the day leak to malware from all the porn Kevin downloaded onto his computer. Dick knows Kevin isn't smart enough to disarm the firewalls himself, but before he can fully confront Miguel, Kevin pulls the fire alarms. Dick tells Miguel he wants to talk to him first thing in the morning, and Kevin tells Miguel that to save both their jobs, they need to put the blame on Chris. So, Poor Chris. Poor Chris. Yeah. I mean, she just kept the bear costume on, my guy. Really? Like, you really you really messed up here. I do think it's very funny that, like, yeah, my employee is nowhere near smart enough to be able to do this thing that actually caused the problem. <laughs> so it must be your fault. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's kind of tough for both of you, because not only does he not respect heaven in any way, he also uh, is blaming you for this, Miguel. So tough luck. My yep. favorite part of this was when... Uh, Kevin was like, I can't go down for this. I have a family. And Miguel is like, you do? <laughs> like, what? Yeah, this is like, yeah, Melissa and the kids. But you never mentioned them. Well, why should I? It's just like, okay, interesting. Yeah, I do like the fact that the uh, the whole porn firewall thing that, that happened in the second episode wound up being more than just like a, a throwaway thing. I kind of like the fact that they brought back to it. Cause I think at the time, Adam, you even mentioned like, Oh, that's like a horrible idea. They're going to get so many viruses. And as you're saying that I was sitting here trying to keep a poker face, like, yep, 
Yep, they are. Yep, things are going to. I don't even remember saying that, Todd. So (laughs) look at me with those predictions. I didn't even know were predictions. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. You were like making comment like I can't believe they did this. Like I'm thinking, yep, yep. It's it's going to be bad. It is going to be bad. Uh, We then go to Miguel asking Lindsay to his apartment to give back some of the things she left at his dad's place. She tells him she finished her book and he says he'd like to read it. So she gives him a copy. She mentions she has a publisher and describes their notes. When she says it will be under Magooch's imprint, Miguel seems annoyed. They start to argue about which one of them was more at fault in their breakup, and the yelling agitates Yogurt, who bites Lindsay. When Miguel comforts Yogurt instead of Lindsay, she storms out. Thoughts on this scene, folks? Who should go first? <laughs> I think you should go first, Lindy. I love this scene. I thought this was really well done in terms of, like, as a show as a scene on the TV show, I thought it was really compelling to me. Um, first of all, I love Miguel's look in this scene, his hair, his, his like unbuttoned shirt. I, <laughs> I loved that. Okay. Oh, Lindy. Is Miguel sexy? That's the question. Yes. Would you invite Miguel to a threesome? That's the question. <laughs> That's a question that's not getting answered. So but. yes, that's all I heard right there was yes because I didn't Lindy's answer. Like, no. no, but so. we we heard the answer. Uh, don't worry, Lindy, I would do so. It's fine. <laughs> okay, <laughs> great. Um, so yes, love that, but that's not super relevant to their conversation. But uh, yeah, so several things about this. Um, I at the end, I thought it was so funny the way he says like oh are you okay like after she's upset that he comforted yogurt instead of her like he's still like he does not care he's just like oh are you okay like so funny but also okay a couple things he calls her just so that she can come over and pick up her slippers so that seems to me like an excuse to see her like he does not have to call her this is not like a family heirloom that's worth you know lots of money it's a pair of slippers and but then they start fighting and he's like well i don't trust your judgment and she wants him to apologize and he's like i'm not gonna apologize okay well then why did you call her then <laughs> like if you if you don't like her then then why'd you invite her up to your apartment because he had the slippers lindy but i mean he, i, I don't know drop them off at the bookstore not talk to her but he invites her over to his apartment and she comes over at night i'm just saying Okay, so you think you're reading on the situation is that Miguel was interested in some kind of reconciliation, some kind of conversation here that like he was interested in that. That's that's your read of the invitation over. Yeah. Kind of. Okay, and then Lindsay coming over at night to get the slippers. Your read of that is that Lindsay was also interested in something here. Like, was there interest on both parts or just on Miguel's part? I think she was interested in getting an apology. And if she and if he had been really apologetic and saying, I'm I'm so sorry Fiona kissed me, like it didn't mean anything, like that was it. I've I missed you. Like if he was like that, I think she would have been really into it. But when and you he was, Yeah, you thought that she had that expectation of like getting an apology based on the invitation to come over and pick up the slippers in the middle of the night. That's that's your read on the situation. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't I didn't say it was the middle of the night, but yeah, I think I think she was wanting an apology and not okay. getting it made them argue like this. 
Yeah, I, no, I don't think that's a bad read at all. I personally did not love this scene a ton just because I thought it was it was dumb. <laughs> like this this fight is so stupid. <laughs> like just get over yourselves here, okay? Uh, Miguel is certainly in the wrong for like putting himself in that situation. There were so many opportunities he had to back off, but also like Lindsay is also in the wrong because uh, she lied about basically every single thing. And so you know, here we are in a situation where two people who are not amazing are also not amazing for each other and yet we have to continue to force situations so you know what shout out to yogurt because <laughs> even though i am not like in favor of biting people or whatever yogurt was like enough of this shit i'm done and just took a chomp to end the situation and i really appreciate that so good on you yogurt Yes. Wow. Uh, please note, people, we are an anti-biting people podcast. I think we can. Well, unless it's uh, like that. in a sexy way, you know, <laughs> like in that threesome with Miguel that Lindy's having, you know, there's got to be some biting there, right? Oh, dear. Um, also, yeah. I'm that same type of way where if anything happens to Ruby, I could not possibly care less about anyone else in the scenario. I could have like my best friend of however many years dead on the side of the road. And I would still be like, Oh my God, Ruby, are you okay? Like oh that God. is certainly my reaction as well. So I definitely like, <laughs> like there was in my mind, I had no doubt that Miguel was like trying to comfort yogurt. Like there was never even a consideration of like, Oh, are you okay? Lindsay? I was like, Oh my God, is, is yogurt. Okay. <laughs> so I definitely felt Miguel in that scenario. Not really. If you're dying on the side of the road, I'll like, you know, help you, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to, to Lindy's point about why did he bring her over? He didn't trust her judgment. I think he brought, because he says he was going to ask her advice, but then finding out that she was going to go with Magooch's imprint for some reason, I think that triggered him after the, the jealousy over the Magooch thing. And I think he wound up a, a souring on, on her over that, which again, it was like a, a stupid thing to get upset about. But I think he did call her over just to, you know, cause he did want to get her advice, want her thoughts on things. I think he does, you know, kind of want to reconcile and she wants an apology. I think he might want an apology from her, her too. Uh, cause he's, he's in the fight. He says he's already explained everything and she says she explained everything, but I think they're both are just getting mad. The other one without, you know, admitting culpability of their own actions. And it's very frustrating. I probably am a little more anti-Lindsay than anti-Miguel on this, just because I'm more anti-Lindsay in general. And I, I know he did not instigate the kiss. He was trying to leave whenever the kiss happened. And the, she lied about everything. So I think that they're both justifiably upset, but I think he's a little more justifiably upset. But yeah, it's a it's a painful scene in in some ways because once again they're bursting into this argument and they're supposed to be like soulmates. The show is trying to tell us, but they're fighting over every little thing, and it just is exhausting. I think it was like done well to Lindy's point, but what it was doing, I didn't particularly care for. Um, well, the next morning at his office, Miguel realizes he has Lindsay's manuscript and starts to read it while his voices beg him not to. When Dick barges in demanding to know why Miguel has kept him waiting, Miguel confesses to everything. Okay, how long did Dick say that he was waiting for? It was like 20 minutes. 20 minutes. What children's book <laughs> is taking you 20 minutes to read through? I mean, was, it, was he doing the drawings too? 
I guess I, he might have been doing his taxes as well for the amount of time <laughs> that he had there. Like, oh my god, I, this is ridiculous. Also, um, we haven't really talked about it at all, but uh, Lindsay's writing and this book—it sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Like, you know, uh, the the deformed octopus or squid or squirrel or whatever that's like weird and what are we doing here? Like what this this book doesn't sound good or appealing or something like I would ever want to read to my child in any capacity ever. So I'm I'm very out on this. Lindy, what do you think about uh Lindsay's writing that we've seen on the show so far? Do you feel like the show is trying to show us that she is actually a good writer or not? Do you think this sounds like something that might be appealing to children in any way? I cannot speak on whether this would be appealing to children as I am not currently a child and <laughs> I don't know. But well, you think only children can comment on this? Like uh, what are we doing here if well, not if you're the asking if kids would like it? How am I would supposed you, to answer you, for them? Would you read this to your kid, Lindy? That's that's my question. Okay, well, let me answer the rest of Todd's question, which was like, do I, which will also answer your question. <laughs> Adam's annoyed because I I'm not deflecting from your question. I'm just saying I'm going to answer it. So, I think I think the show is trying to tell us that like Lindsay is a good writer and she was struggling a bit with her message at first because she herself was confused. And this story is about her, like even though it's about animals, like it's actually about her. So I think it was showing us her journey of being like, what's the message here? Like, uh, is this a, am I a squid? Am I a squirrel? Like, I don't know. Um, And I think we're supposed to think that the book is better now however i have no idea unless i were to read this like it could be really cute and like inspiring but it could be terrible like it really could be terrible <laughs> uh, yeah I, I don't have the same problems with the book that uh, a lot of people seem to have uh, i think the idea and like like emily mentioned uh, in her comments that yeah it's a pretty standard plot for children's book oh the animal that thinks it's something else and then has to learn to accept itself for what it is i mean it's basically the ugly duckling story uh just in a slightly different package but i don't think that having this creature that is you know very different is that's going to be a knock against being a children's book i think kids like things that are kind of weird looking and creepy looking. there are tons of, like children's toys that are like very bizarre amalgamations of different things so i don't think that in and of itself is something that would necessarily keep kids from reading it and again i think a big knock on magooch as an illustrator is i don't know how to make this thing you know look appealing where i think mcgill's artwork you see later actually looks like something that could be in the children's book and does like capture the spirit of what Lindsay's is trying to to do yeah it is like this very strange mixture of different things but it doesn't necessarily mean it's bad or ugly there's a way for it to be kind of cute and appealing and i think that mcgill does a pretty good job of capturing that spirit so i think you know this is and of course i am also someone who's into very weird and bizarre things so i would be totally fine with giving my my children like a book uh, like this where the it's okay to like the bizarre it's okay to like the out there thing just because something doesn't look like you think it should look doesn't mean it's a bad thing i think like the messaging is good um the fact that it's taken her this long to write this simple children's book is a little concerning in some ways but you know when you're dealing with subject matter that's the deeper than prowse and sartre like magooch says i mean you have to expect it to take a little bit of time right so um 
Miguel winds up going to Lindsay's apartment and tells her that it may be none of his business, but she shouldn't listen to the publisher's notes. As he talks about the book, it becomes obvious that Lindsay has written her struggle with the voices in her head into Squid's story. And he finishes by telling her, whoever told you Squid was ugly, they don't see what I do. Blah. It's too. I mean, it's just too much. It's too much for me. It doesn't. It just doesn't track. This is disgusting. What? <laughs> what about it? <laughs> it's like it's so on the nose, and there's just no way this book is good. Like honestly, that is, <laughs> that is my issue. There's okay. just no conceivable way that Miguel sat at his desk for 20 minutes, ignoring his like boss's boss's boss or whatever, uh, and read this and was like, "This is life changing." There's just no conceivable way that that was the scenario. <laughs> The way that it's conceivable is that Miguel loves Lindsay and this book is about Lindsay and like her her journey of figuring herself what out. What journey? What is the journey? <laughs> like I, I don't like feeling like she doesn't know who she is and you know what she's supposed to be doing. I haven't read the story so I, I don't just, know. <laughs> even with that message I still am really struggling to connect that with the Lindsay that Miguel knows and has experienced because like that the reason that Lindsay is unable to find herself is not the same reason that Miguel and Lindsay just argued and fought like whatever the night before. Like that is the the reasons are different. Maybe if this had happened back when it was the disagreement about what they each wanted in the relationship, I would have been like, okay, maybe like, you know, whatever Lindsay was like trying to find herself or whatever. That was not even remotely similar to the reason why they are on their current break. Whereas uh, Miguel's Miguel's ex's tongue was down his throat. Nowhere does that appear in the book. That is not a that is not a central message. Nowhere does like oh I lied about going to deal with my ex or whatever. It was like the you know the weird quirks and differences of the stupid deformed squirrel squid or whatever. Is nothing to do with why they are most recently broken up. And I. Like it just makes no sense. There's no revelations to be had here. This is this is a massive stretch that like if you're looking, you know, if you're looking to be like, okay, I like the show more, be like, okay, whatever, we can get over this. I just I just can't with this one. This is just this is just too much for me. I can't do it. See, for me, I think the connection is Lindsay is finally telling her story. She's finally figured out what her story is, which she has not known in the past. And when they had the fight. Uh, before, I mean, she never got a chance to tell him really, I think, like what she's figured out about herself. She was being on the defensive and everything. I think here she's been able to put down on paper, granted through like this weird squid squirrel story, but she's able to capture what she has dealt with, the things that she has struggled with, the demons that she's fought with. I mean, in a children's book, yeah, fine. You have to like accept the conceit that children's stories can tell stories that are deeper than what you would think from children's stories, which I don't think is actually that huge of a stretch in some, some cases, but she is put down, like she's basically has bared her soul in the story of squid, the squirrel of someone who never thought she belonged, has all these voices in her head who have told her what she needs to be. And she's listened to them all of her life. But now she finally is able to get them away and stop trying to be something else and just be herself and in reading that story, Miguel recognizes that Lindsay has finally found some truth. He recognizes the inner her in the story and realizes that he does care for the person that's being represented on the page. Is it a little bit of a stretch? 
a thousand percent. I'm not saying that it's like it's the best running ever, but I do see the through line. I do see how being able to see Lindsay's soul put bear on the page, even in the squid squirrel mutant storyline is something that Miguel can recognize. And maybe he didn't take the full 20 minutes for him to read the story. Maybe he read the story and spent the next 15 minutes uh, reconciling that with his own life and the own voices in his head that make him try to be things that he's not and realizing that much like Squid the Squirrel, he needs to stop listening to those voices as well. I'm not saying it was expertly handling the show, but I see what the show is going for and it mostly worked for me. Uh, although the whoever told you squid was ugly, don't see what I do line still made me go and roll my eyes a little bit. Cause like I said, it is horribly on the nose. It's, it was ham fisted. I'll agree with that, but I still, I still see what they were doing. I still think there is like a basis for it working. Uh, we can then go to Lindsay at the bookstore. She's asked Magooch to come by so she can give him her decision. She tells him that while it's a life changing opportunity, her life has already changed in a lot of ways. She wanted to change everything about herself and everyone was telling her who to be. But now she realized that she didn't want to be anybody else and that she didn't want Squid to be anyone else either. And she tells them maybe she's ugly, maybe nobody will like her, but she is who she is. I like how in this scene, uh, he asks like what she's going to do now instead. And she's like, I'm betting on myself. And he says, how very New York of you. Uh, which I like because it ties into earlier when, in the season when she was the voices in her head were like, you're not cut out for New York. You've been hit by a cab three times already. Like, <laughs> um, And now she's doing something very New York for herself. So I think that is reflective of her journey. You know what would have made this whole thing work? A cover of who I'd be from Shrek the Musical. Just it's just right here. I, this That whole thing, you know, if, if Lindsay's mm-hmm. been, you know, guess i'd be a hero you know i with with pen and paper writing i there, there could have been such a such an opportunity here um I, again it's just this, it's more of the same for me i don't know this was just too much yet again but i i think that this element of it um her kind of refusal to work with uh gucci was uh was a little bit better than than the stuff in the previous scene but also this is a like a pretty big opportunity for her to work with someone well-established and successful within the industry. And uh, I don't know, maybe we take those opportunities instead of turning them down for your own vanity and self-discovery. I don't know. <laughs> Just a thought. She has to be true to her art, Adam. Her art, Why? Her as, art as, as hasn't won true. her anything besides the Wheatley Award. It's not always <laughs> about winning. It's about being true to yourself. Sometimes it's about winning when you're living in the closet of a squatter <laughs> and someone who is, you know, I, I'm just saying like, sometimes, sometimes it is about winning. <laughs> uh, I also want to just point out that Magooch said he was already in the neighborhood because it's latex wholesaler was just around the bo- bo- block <laughs> for his new year suit. So I, I do like the, the through line of Magooch being this, a uh, this kind of a weird sex fiend uh, amuses me. Uh, so, we then go to Miguel talking to his dad and he tells his dad he might need to move back in because he got fired, but that he's surprisingly fine with it. They talk about his breakup with Lindsay and he mentions what happened with yogurt. He tells the story of the day his dad brought yogurt home a few weeks after Miguel's mom died. And we find out that the red door Miguel keeps seeing is from their old house in the suburbs. The dad tells him he has to be willing to open up and let other people in. And even goes this whole thing about, are people going to leave? What if they leave? They do. What if they don't understand? They don't. What if they get sick? They might. But you still got to try. 
Um, so I thought like the, the dad's advice here, I thought was like really, really good. I thought the whole conversation between Miguel and his dad here was like really powerful. And it was good to finally get a little bit more insight into the yogurt and the red door of it all. But Adam, as someone who's had questions about the red door through the whole thing, what did you think of the reveal? I thought that the actual reveal of the red door was maybe a little bit underwhelming, but I think that, you know, kind of what you're talking about, Todd, that interaction that he had uh, between him and his dad worked hundred percent for me. Like, I think that that was a standout scene for Miguel standout, like scene of the series as a whole. I think that that worked for me better than a lot of the other stuff did. Um, and I loved the advice. I think it was like very, very real. It was very potent. It was very emotional. Um, we didn't really, you know, talk about some of the loss that, you know, that, that kind of happened with Miguel, but it also like happened to his dad. And so I think that like that to me was very uh, understated in this scene. I think that like they had a very mutual understanding of what this grief is, but also how to overcome it. So um, I really liked it, Todd. I think this works for me really well, better than I would have expected this to have worked for me. Uh, and just like further cements that the Miguel stuff is just it's just superior to the Lindsay stuff in, in not only the reveals, but how they tell the story, the side characters surrounding it. Like every part of this is better than what we're seeing on the other side. And so to Miguel's credit, I really enjoyed this. This like stood out to me, but um, it, it, if anything, it also further highlighted the massive gap in how well half of the story is working for me versus how much the other half is not. So then uh, it's New Year's Eve and Lindsay notices that Miguel added some drawings of Squid to her manuscript that keep Squid's oddity, but also celebrate it. Lindsay heads out to find him while he's on his way to find her. And they meet on the subway, singing about their connection while trying to escape from all the voices chasing after them. As we get the last song of the series, a full version of the theme song, Can I Ever Know You? So Lindy, uh, Adam and I already talked about the theme song version of the song. Uh, what do you think of it as a theme song? And what do you think about the full version? I actually really liked it as the theme song. I think I probably was higher on that than both of you. I really enjoyed even just the animation of the theme song and the song with it. I was I was having a great time <laughs> watching that throughout the series. Um, and this full version, I think, is is really a great way to end the season here. I thought it was I, I thought it was great. I loved I love the sequence. Um, talking about the scenes themselves, maybe I'll have different thoughts, but the song was great. I really liked this. I think that like if they were going to end the song in some kind or end the series kind of in some kind of bigger song here, I really, really enjoyed this. This made me actually appreciate the theme song a little bit more. Todd, you and I were both pretty low on the theme song as a whole, but I think that like this was a much more elevated version. The way they brought a lot of the other songs into this with like even just the little reprises, even if we had to do smart, 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 whatever, uh, whatever. Like, okay, we got it back. It's fine. It, it worked for me better. That little bit worked for me better than the entirety of this time that she sang the song in the first place. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, I really enjoyed this, though. I think it was a, a great song to kind of end it on. I love them all together. There were little moments of acapella where the voices were kind of singing back up as the, as the two leads were singing those main vocals of, you know, can I really know you? I really know you. Um, I, I enjoyed this little predictable 
in the sense that like okay we're gonna get back together here in this last song this is gonna be your like big triumphant okay whatever easiest prediction of my life was to have them together at the end of the season it wasn't even close that was never even in doubt or question um but I don't, I don't know. The song works for me better than it should have just because I think the strength of the music before it really was able to elevate this piece to, uh, to, to a higher level than I maybe would have thought it would at the start of the series. Yeah, I think it's, it's really well done. It's a really uh, good song. The lyrics, the music all works well. I like them bringing back not just their usual six voices, but we also get uh, Cyprian showing up and Magoot showing up to get these other voices and the... Uh, and Anthro Girl showing up as well. All of them. So you like the whole cast of characters that have appeared in their heads over the course of the series showing up. The, the scene where they're singing each other and they're surrounded by all the voices doing all the little reprises is really cool. I do wish there had been a way to work the reprises in a little bit better melodically with the song itself. I think it works fine, but it's a little jarring at times, which I probably is, I'd say, you know, could be meant to be because they're trying to break up the them knowing each other to a certain degree uh, but that's like the, the the only little ding i would have on the songs i wish they could have like blended in a little bit more seamlessly uh, i also as i was re releasing the song before we recorded night we got to the smart 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 part baby i'm like yeah gotta hear it one last time that lisa's is partially being drowned out by the better music around it so that's okay um but after the song they managed to silence the voices and kiss as the new year's rung in but then Lindsay burps in his face. It's not the first time we've seen her burp in this episode. And then she mentions her nausea for the past couple of weeks. And then her dad voice appears to start talking about how condoms are only 98% effective until human error is taken in. And when we realize that she is pregnant and all the voices return screaming and Adam has his head in his hands. I hate it. This is so dumb. What a stupid way to end this season. Like, what is this? Do we really have to do this? Are we even getting a season two? I feel like there's almost no chance we get a season two of this show. Am I wrong? Like, do you think there's a season two coming here? I, I'm okay with being wrong because it would give us something to talk about. But, like, I feel pretty strong about the fact that there's not going to be a season two of this show. I honestly don't know. It's it's gotten a lot of press. I don't know what its ratings are like, but I've seen tons of articles being written about it. So it's gotten a lot more coverage about a show that most people haven't heard of than I would have expected. But I don't know. I just know like like in our circles, I know maybe like two other people who have watched the show outside of three of us, and one that we've mentioned frequently on the show. Uh, so I don't know how many people who aren't listening to our podcast are actually watching the show. I'm I'd be curious to find out. Uh, so the the second season aspect of it all, who knows? Uh, who knows how Hulu makes their decisions? Uh, I mean, honestly, I wouldn't have, wouldn't have expected a second season of Schmigadoon for how little I heard about it, and it got picked up for a second season. So there's no telling what will and won't get picked up for a second season uh, based on the cost of shows and metrics that we know nothing about. Um, the only thing I liked about it, I'll agree, like the, the pregnancy bit of it, I'm like a little eye really, but I did like the fact that they finally found some peace. And then there's something else happened and the voices all start like going crazy again. So they're only able to know each other and find peace for the moment before the real world uh, intruded again as showing that, yeah, their journey isn't done. There are always going to be things that uh, live in their head, but I just wish it had been a different trigger. Although I honestly, I would, I'm kind of here for a second season where we are getting songs about them dealing with like, 
parenthood and things like that. I would kind of like to hear the songs that the songwriters would write about that type of thing. I think there could be some fun stuff that, especially if they focus more on this journey and are just like, okay, they're together now. We're not going to do the yo-yo thing anymore. If that was what was going on, I would be all on board for this as a storyline. But if we had that as the impetus for them having more relationship problems, I would not be as high on a season following the pregnancy storyline. Yeah, I have many thoughts about the way this ended. Um, to what you were saying, Todd, I just feel like their relationship has been so rocky so far. Having this pregnancy come in right at this moment is really uh, not going to make it any smoother. <laughs> um, it's like, yes, they have this one moment where they both say I love you. And then, of course, they realize um, it's not it's not going to be simple now. But... Yeah, so several things. Um, I I loved how when they kissed, you know, it's New Year's Eve, so there's all these fireworks going off, which is exactly what um, Miguel had drawn in the illustration for her book. You know, he added the character like a frog, frog, dog, whatever. Yeah, frog the dog. <laughs> yeah, dog the I frog, think. frog, dog the dog. The frog. <laughs> what, what are those? Um, and in the ending of her book, he had written like sequel question mark and there were fireworks in the sky and the squid and the dog were together. Um, so I liked the parallel to that. Um, I was a little um, disappointed and maybe this is because I'm not I'm not a lifelong musical person like the two of you, but I was a little disappointed that their reunion actually occurred during the song and we didn't really see how it happened. Like, okay, they're both on the subway going to each other's places, but then we see them holding hands on the street. How did they run e into each other on the subway? How would they be in the same place if they were crossing paths to each other's places? Am I just looking too much into this i think it was just uh, montage they're going to the to the same place to see each other like it's a you know they're it's not necessarily they're meeting up on the subway i don't think but they were going to each other's houses so how'd they how'd they run into each other um so my only my, my head canon for this is she might not know that he's moved back into his dad's place she may have been going to the corinthian and it just happened to be like you know in the opposite <laughs> direction of where his parents that was my head canon because I mean, they do show them seeing each other on the subway and but it is like musical stuff it's hard to know how much is in the heads how much is real how much is not so it's possible they did just happen to be like both heading in opposite directions and run into each other but yeah them both being on the same subway car and seeing each other didn't make a whole lot of sense so that was my head cannon was like oh yeah she's going to the corinthian because she doesn't know he got fired she doesn't know that he's having to move out of the corinthian so okay well i appreciate that explanation i think yeah i wouldn't have thought about that but i'll accept that Okay, and then one other thought. Okay, earlier in the episode, yeah, Lindsay burps and you're like, okay, whatever. But you know that that's they put that in there for a reason. And then it comes back in this last scene and they they realize that she's pregnant. But at first, when she started describing her symptoms, she was like, yeah, I've had heartburn and everything. At first, I was like, oh my gosh, is she going to have like a disease? And she can get sick just like Miguel is worried about. That would have been a lot darker of a turn. But for a split second, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is going to end up being so sad. That might have been better, to be honest with you. I think I would have much more appreciated that ending than what we got here. 
that would have been a lot sadder. And I think if if there's a season two, or if there's a season two, maybe that would have worked for me. But if there's not a season two, I would have been really upset if that was the ending where she's like dying and we never see. Can we make aftermath. predictions here? Is there going to be a season two? I, my early vote is no. Okay, here's the problem. I really want there to be because I really enjoyed this and I would I would watch season two on day one. Like I would be right there. But will but, there be a season two, Lindy? But Hulu canceled like reboot, which was an amazing show. Facts. Like so I'm not confident in their ability to recognize uh the shows that they should renew. So I, I don't know. I'm a little worried. I think yeah, that was a uh, no, but I didn't hear like an official prediction there. Well, if I predict nothing, then I can't be wrong. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm I'm probably leaning towards no as well. Even though I really like Lindy, I would really love for there to be a second season. I would be happy if my prediction is proved wrong. Like I said, it's been written about a lot more. There was advertising for it. I've seen on TV a lot more than I would have expected for the Hulu series. So there's a possibility that it got more viewers. But also Reboot had lots of press. Reboot was really critically acclaimed. I don't know that up here was actually that acclaimed. Uh, but a lot of people were talking about it. But yeah, my my general feeling is, again, I haven't seen a lot of people other than the press talk about it. I don't know many people that have actually watched it. So I'm worried that it did not get the viewership that would get it to a uh, come back for a second season and then hopefully address some of the issues that we had with the first season. That would be my hope for a second season because I am definitely higher on it than Adam is. Um, so I think, think I think there's a good place to kind of segue into our thoughts on the series as a whole. Um, I think the music is the best thing about the show for me. The music is amazing. No, most of the time. I love most of the songs. I've been listening to the soundtrack on Spotify quite a bit. Uh, I really like the, the soundtrack a lot. And I think that, if nothing else, is the reason why I want the show to come back. I also think the show is really, really funny. I think that there are so many things. The character of Orson, I love Orson so much. Yeah, he's a horrible person <laughs> living inside Miguel's head, but he is hilarious. The the rat scene in the, in the oven we talked about is hilarious. Chris in the bear costume, that was really funny. I think there's lots of really clever writing in terms like jokes and quips and dialogue that I love. On the negative side is the plotting of the show, the yo-yo effect of their relationship. They just got together and broke up like, two or three too many times over the course of eight episodes they were together in a park way too many times i think they could have taken out some of those and had them together for a little bit longer before the big breakup over her not telling anything i think it would have been even been more impactful if they had been together for multiple episodes and then you find out that she's been keeping this from him for an even long and longer time then i think his being upset at it even makes more sense then well, we've been dating for a few weeks and she hasn't told me about you know, her running away from her wedding, which again, still a big thing not to tell somebody, but the longer they're together without already having broken up multiple times and both of them having trust issues, it's it was a lot. And it really exhausted me, especially me, someone who isn't as into watching romances on TV as Lindy is. Um, I tolerate romance stuff in my shows. It's not the reason why I watch shows most of the time. And the accelerated way that they got together and broke up was just not my favorite thing. So if there is a second season, 
I hope that they do away with that. Uh, so, uh, Adam, what are your thoughts on the series as a whole? I think I largely agree with you about the vast majority of that, other than that I am a little bit more down on it in all aspects. <laughs> and so I think that there was just so much that like didn't work for me. Lindsay's inconsistency, I think, was a really tough situation. Her like my lack of understanding of her as a character and her desires were like also very frustrating. And I think that like the on again, off again, the you know misunderstanding, the misconnection, the oh just happened to show up at the perfect moment to have this be screwed up or whatever, also really struggled for me. I think Miguel was just probably the better character in terms of the two. I enjoyed him more. I enjoyed his storyline more. Um, the redemption he had at the end with the conversation of his dad, I think did a lot of work for me to like cement him as that, you know, higher tier character than, than maybe I would have expected at the beginning of the series. I like very vivid. I vividly remember Todd, our, our preview podcast, we were like, May Whitman is like going to steal the show because she's the one that like, we know she's the one that we love. And it's just not really been the case in terms of the story element of it all, or the character element of it all. I think that Miguel has certainly been better there. Um, and so, you know, uh, the voices concept was much more interesting than it was in practice for me. There were some of the voices like Orson that we've talked about that I do think excelled in a lot of, a lot of ways. The other voices though, I don't know. Like I, I'm not sitting here being like, Oh, that voice was really dynamic and impactful to these characters. And I really appreciated the perspective that voice had to offer throughout the series and for these characters to be able to, you know, either overcome the things that they're trying to overcome or have some kind of realization or whatever that just like, didn't really happen. And so I think the concept of the show is better than what was there in practice. That being said, I do like want to end on a highlight here of there were a lot of really awesome songs. Like really and truly the, the writing for some of these songs was very impactful. I thought the music was really good. The performances were incredible for, you know, what a half dozen of these songs, if not more. And so if we're looking for highlights, if we're looking for reasons of like, maybe the show should have a season two, maybe there should be a second chance. Why should you watch this show? One of the things that like, I really am considering a lot these days with the amount of TV that's on of like, why should I watch the show? The music is really good. Like it really is. And I look there, I can't get around that. There's no reason to try and get around that. The music for me is what excels in this show. It is the reason that if you are looking for, you know, something to, to, to hold on to, to make the show worth watching, I think it has to be the music. It has to be the performances um, because I think they just stand out so far above what the level of story is, what the level of quality is in terms of story, but like, it's kind of staggering. And so, you know, if you're looking for things that are good, I want to end on this high note of, I really appreciated and loved the musical elements that the show had to offer. And, you know, at the end of the day, we talk a lot about music on this podcast. And so I think that like, it's, it's very fitting for that to be the thing that elevates the show above the other parts that maybe didn't work as well. Um, the music did. So, you know, shout out, shout out to that. Yeah, I think you made a good point about the voices not working in practice as much as we had hoped. Like, I came into this thing very excited that we we're getting Katie Finneran as a uh, the mom voice because I love her. And then she was probably the the best out of Lindsay's three voices, but still did not get a ton to do. And I did feel a little let down by that. So, Lindy, what are your overall thoughts of the series now? Yes, I think we all have some similar criticisms. I also agree about the voices and how 
I like the concept better than I like how it played out in the show. Um, I think I have the exact same thoughts. Like I loved Orson and as a whole, I re- I liked Miguel's voices a lot better than Lindsay's because because I don't know. They just didn't they didn't have as much to do or what I thought they would be doing, I think, in the show um, as it turned out. But overall, I I really liked this show. Um, oh, yeah. One more of the more negative things. Again, uh, agreeing with both of you that the back and forth between. Lindsay and Miguel and the miscommunication and the constant getting back together and splitting back up was uh, was a little too much like I understand some of it you know the will they won't they that's classic tv I'm always into that but this was just as Todd said two or three uh iterations too many Um, but in terms of the positives overall, I really, really enjoyed this. Um, like I said earlier, the first half of the season, I was thinking like, wow, this is, this is great. Uh, this, this is the show for me. Like I was loving it. Um, and I'm not sure that the second half lived up to that as well, but like I said, I still really enjoyed it. I thought the music was great. Um, a lot of the songs were really catchy and, I would definitely go back and listen, which is always something that I consider um, in these shows of like, how much did I like this song? Well, would I go back and listen to it on its own? Um, And that really informs how I think of it sometimes. And I like a lot of these songs. So loved that. Uh, I think I said this many times, but the performances to me really stood out for Lindsay and Miguel, especially because they're the two main characters. Just the the singing, the acting, I thought it was all incredible. So I, it was a joy to watch that for me personally. Um, and like Todd said, like it was really funny. There were a lot of funny moments. I can't even call them all out because there were a bunch and I really appreciated that. So overall, I think I'm really high on this. Like I said, I would absolutely watch a season two. I really hope it gets that. And if it does, I'll be back here and we can talk about it, you know? So uh, have one last piece of feedback from the great Emily Reed uh, about the series as a whole. Uh, Emily says, I get that this show is supposed to be about acceptance of yourself and others with a book as a metaphorical tool. But the show is pretty ineffective in achieving this goal, in my opinion, because Lindsay was just so unlikable. She wasn't rootable. I wasn't rooting for their relationship. Miguel would be better off with someone who treats him better. Lindsay should focus on another career prospect because I have no faith in her as a writer. The show ends up being meh for me. At times it was cute, but it just didn't have enough of those cute moments to elevate the whole thing. So uh, Emily, much more towards Adam's side of the thing and probably even lower on it than Adam seems to be. Uh, so but thank you, Emily. I appreciate getting to see your feedback in the PSR Discord and have someone like uh, talking about the show with us. It's always uh, a pleasure. Uh, so now it's time for us to move on to the final thing we have to do on this, and that's do some ratings and give some awards. So first up for the voices in our head, because we rate the songs on the number of the voices in our head who are fans of the song. We rate it on a scale of three because it's exactly how many voices everyone has in their heads, even though occasionally we, some people apparently might have more, but three seems to be the default. So first up, Please like me, Lindy, for your first rating of the Up Here songs. Uh, how do you rate Please Like Me? Well, uh, this song is begging for me to like it, and I do like it. In fact, I love it. It's getting a full three. 
a full three from Lindy. Adam, how about yourself? Yeah, another easy three. I thought this was a, a standout performance. Really, really good. And we've got all our voices singing in unison because I also gave it a full three. Uh, next up is The Truth Is. Uh, Adam, what do you think of The Truth Is? Another easy three. I, I think that uh, this was this was the one where I called out a, a very specific line. The only time in the entirety of the of the show that I did that. So full three for me. Lindy, what did you think of uh, The Truth Is? I also thought this one was really well done. So I'm going to go ahead and give it a three. And again, we are all in unison. Threes across the board for the two songs of episode seven. Then we get to episode eight and a Christmas prayer. Uh, I'll start because I think I was a little bit higher on it than either one of you were, but uh, still not super high on it. I'm going to give it like a 2.3. <laughs> I love that Todd is trying to anchor us higher and yet it's not going to happen. This is a uh, 0.2. Uh, actually, sorry, 0 0.5. I, I made a promise to always be uh, in in levels did. of 0.5s. Although, honestly, this is maybe worse than smart, 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 baby. So, I don't know. 0 0.5 wow. for me. I thought this was really bad. Like, this this was a really bad song. Wow. Calling it worse than smart, 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 baby is, like, shocking to me. Yeah. Uh, well, I rated them both the same thing of a 0.5, which, honestly, they should probably both be zeros. But, you know, here we are. Lindy, uh, what did you think of A Christmas Pair score-wise? Wow. Well, I wasn't here to rate the earlier songs, but this is definitely better than Smart, 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 Baby. Uh, yeah, I'm going to give this one a two. All right. A two from Lindy. And then our last song of the series, Can I Ever Know You full version. Uh, Lindy, what did you think of this one? Well, I thought... I love the theme song already having this full version. I really appreciate it. And I love them bringing in the other songs as well. I thought this was a great way to end it. So it's getting a full three, a full three from Lindy Adam. Yeah. Uh, inco incomplete agreement. This is a, this is a full three great way to end the season. I thought this did a really good job at what it had to do. Um, and it had more to do than a lot of the other songs this season. So uh, well done for this. I think this is a, a great performance here. Great song. Loved all the voices together. Love the reprises. So full three for me. Yeah. I love this song a lot. Like I said, the only thing I would ding it on is I didn't love that the other reprises weren't didn't mesh as well as I would have liked. There's just a couple of the songs. It just was like a little discordant, but that was probably by design. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt with that. So it's not enough to ding it to affect my score. And I'll also give it a full three. So uh, yeah, uh, again, we were like pretty high on a lot of the songs this season. Like quite a, we had uh, several, uh, several things that uh, scored a full three, most of them in these two episodes, surprisingly enough, but Adam gave several threes this season. I gave a few threes this season. So, yeah, uh, the next thing we have to do is to give our weekly award, our weekly award for the character who uh, did the best job in our eyes. So, Lindy, for your first weekly award for episode seven, who gets your weekly award? I'm so excited to give out a weekly award. <laughs> um, so, for episode seven, uh, this one was a clear choice to me. I'm going to go with Orson because I thought he was hilarious. Talking about the calculus of trying to <laughs> make that menage a trois happen. And when he finds out his name is Orson, his reaction is priceless. And that made me laugh. So it's got to go to Orson. 
Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, also, there's the fact that a lot of the other characters are doing things I don't really like in this episode because it's kind of hard to give either Miguel or Lindsay uh, a weekly award in this. Lindsay's mom, not all that great either. But Orson just made me laugh constantly as all the scenes that he was in this episode. And the My Name's Orson scene is just one of the best things of the show. So yeah, Orson gets my award. Uh, Adam, who do you give your award to for episode seven? I really wish that I could give two awards in episode eight and zero in episode seven. Because, <laughs> like I think Orson's like the clear choice here. I don't even know who else I would give it to. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm going to go with him, but uh, Orson does not deserve this as much as multiple people deserve it in episode eight is, is all I'm going to say here. Well, let's take away there. Uh, episode eight, who are your candidates and who you're going to wind up giving it to Adam? My two candidates, Marta and yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> those are oh my, my two for who Boy. i think should win this uh but honestly it's too funny to me to not have multiple multiple podcasts where i'm giving points to marta give me for the third time this season the third time <laughs> i love it yeah and marta's basically been in three episodes i think she may have like <laughs> appeared in like one other one but she's only really been in a handful of the episodes and every time she's had like any real speaking lines as she's gotten points uh, from adam i really like her um so i'm gonna give my award to miguel's dad uh that ending scene with him and miguel and just the advice he gives miguel is just like so well done and so powerful so uh yeah dot, gotta give the point to miguel's dad for me lindy who gets your weekly award for episode eight so those are both good choices and i'm definitely supportive of that um i also love i didn't mention this i love how marta still invited Lindsay back to live in that apartment even though she obviously wouldn't have to that was funny um but my point for this episode eight is actually going to go to Miguel. And the reason for that is because I I liked a lot of what was going on with him in this episode. Not absolutely everything, but most of it. Um, I like that he he told the truth at work instead of blaming it all on on Chris to get Chris fired instead of him. I like that he he stopped listening to the voices in his head so he could do what he wanted and read Lindsay's book. I love the illustrations he did and how heartfelt that was. And I really like the conversation with his dad. So I understand giving his dad the point, but just overall, I'm going to give it to Miguel. All right. And that's a uh, Lindsay's point to Miguel. And uh, since this is going to be the last episode that uh, of the show covering up here, we're not going to do any sort of recap uh, for it. Uh, I can say that the person who got the most weekly awards, unsurprisingly, since he got three this week and one before, is Orson. Orson is in the lead uh, with four <laughs> weekly wow. awards, followed closely by Marta with three, all from Adam. Uh, so Orson and Marta are the <laughs> leaders of our weekly awards. Lindsay and Miguel are tied at two along with Mr. Magooch and the writing class teacher and the yes. Miguel's dad, Chris and the bear costume each get one award apiece. Um, so one last thing to, to do before we end our up here coverage, and that's talk about Adam's predictions. <laughs> so we had three predictions left to talk about one of them, which Adam's already referenced that a uh, Lindsay and Miguel will be fully together at the end. That came true. Like I said, probably the most predictable prediction that uh, could have been, but Adam's other predictions were much more uh, out there. Uh, first of all, there's going to be a duck 
in some capacity. And sadly, out of the many, many animals that Lindsay mentioned or Magooch mentioned in their books, there are lots of animals mentioned. And whenever you made this prediction, I was like, oh my gosh, Adam might have actually gotten this right. Because I don't remember what all animals get brought up over the course of the show. But I honestly don't think a duck was ever one of the animals that got mentioned in any of the conversations. So you're on the right track, surprisingly enough there. But I don't think you landed on the right animal, Adam close next time yeah. i'll get him next time and then the other prediction was there's going to be a dictionary at some point and i don't believe we ever saw a dictionary even whenever Lindsay was trying to think up of a rhyme for tentacle we had ned telling her you know a non-identical but i don't think anyone's actually looking things up in a dictionary so i don't think there was a dictionary but also her working in a bookstore it wound up making sense as a possible prediction but i don't think we ever had that so adam was batting 50 50 uh on the predictions uh for this show yeah uh, uh, you know you win some you lose some that's the you know you make you make crazy predictions they don't come true that's that's just the nature of life you know yeah uh so that's it for our coverage of season one of up here lindy i'm so happy you're able to to get to join us to talk about this we we're hoping you'll be able to get on even earlier but the fact that you're able to get on it all just like made the, the experience even better uh so uh that's does it for us here. So, Lindy, uh, what are you up to? Where can people find you? Yes. Well, I'm so happy that I got to talk about this show, um, even just for a couple episodes. Um, I thought it was really fun. I'm glad we did this. So I'm glad I could make it. Um, and what I'm up to? Well, normally on one indescribable podcast, currently we are covering Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. You can find me every week doing that. All right. Adam, what are you up to? Where can people find you? Yeah, amazing. So uh, come follow us over at One CXG Podcast. We're doing all kinds of stuff here. Zoe's, uh, we had the amazing uh, Emily Reed on this past week. So uh, go check that out. Over in the post-show recaps world, I am uh, all over the place. So Ty and I are talking about Schmigadoon. I'll let him talk about that in a second. Uh, doing How I Met Your Father with the amazing Sarah Ferguson. Uh, talking about Doctor Who with Kevin Mardeo and Melissa Woodward. We just recorded Voyage of the Damned. Very fun episode today. Uh, we're in the main feed over there. I'm also podcasting about Final Fantasy VII Reunion with uh, the incredible Brooklyn Zed. We are almost halfway through the game, actually, at this point. So go check that out. We're having a ton of fun over there. Um, I was also uh, recently a guest on the Yellow Jackets podcast with Jess Sterling and Marissa Garza talking about episode three. Some crazy stuff happens. We talk a lot about soup. Maybe it's blood soup. Who knows? Um and then uh, most recently here, uh, I am going to be a guest on the uh, Succession podcast with uh, Jeff Sterling and Josh Wiggler. We are going to be talking about the latest episode of Suge uh, Succession, and it is a doozy of an episode. So uh, that'll be live actually on YouTube. Be able to see a video version of that podcast. Rarely happens that we see video versions of that, uh, of, of me podcasting. So you can see that on YouTube. Uh, it's over all over at post show recaps. If you're not a patron, you should become one. We talk about this show, all that feedback that Todd was getting before was from uh, the amazing Emily in that post show recaps discord. So go check that over there. Patreon.com slash post show recaps. And of course, I'm on Twitter at Panaman Adam one where I'm retweeting all of the, all the various things that I'm doing, trying to keep myself as busy as possible to drown out the monotony of everyday life. So uh, that's, that's where you can find me. Wow. Uh, way to call it the monotony of everyday life there in your words, <laughs> Adam. Uh, <laughs> Of course, you can find me at Librarian Todd because Todd Librarian is too many characters. As Adam mentioned, we are covering Schmigadoon Season 2 over on Post Show Recaps. If you are a fan of musical theater or musical TV shows in general, you should really give it a try. It's a great show. If you love musicals, 
and there's a lot of stuff in there to glean. But I think even if you're not a person who knows a lot of musical theater, the writing and the cast, the performances, the songs are all just amazing. It's hilarious. The songs are great. The performances are great. I think that even if you don't know the things that they're parodying, I think there's a lot that you can gain from watching that. So really highly recommend that you uh, watch Schmigadoon Season 2 and then listen to Adam and I talk about it over on Post Show Recaps. And other than that, the other place you can always find me is right here where you can hear me, Adam, and Lindy talking about the Always a Glory playlist as we are coming to the end of the first season of that. Uh, and until then, bye! <laughs>